Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Daniel Pinchbeck. Daniel is the co-editor of a new anthology, What Comes After Money, which is a collection of essays from Reality Sandwich on transforming currency and community. Daniel is the director, the editorial director of Reality Sandwich, the co-founder of Evolver.net, the founding editor of the literary journal Open City, and executive editor of Evolver Editions, a new publishing imprint in collaboration with North Atlantic Books. His books include 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl, and Breaking Open the Head. Daniel has been featured in several documentaries, including Amorim's 2012, Time for Change. Daniel, I don't know when you get time to do all of this, but anyway, welcome. I'm delighted to have you with us. Tell us about Reality Sandwich. What was the impulse behind starting it? Uh, well, I, I, I wrote a couple of books, as you mentioned, Breaking Open the Head. That was about uh, shamanism and uh, use of psychedelics in uh, traditional societies and, and as initiatory tools. Uh, then I wrote 2012, uh, The Return of Quetzalcoatl. That was about uh, prophecies and uh, philosophy and, and, you know, my own experiences in relationship to those prophecies. And as these books came out, I started to get all this amazing uh, correspondence from people who were having similar experiences, kind of psychic, shamanic, synchronistic experiences. But I, I could see they were sending me all this stuff because there was really no great outlet in the culture for them to, to develop these ideas. So that really led us ultimately to start a web magazine, uh, Reality Sandwich, uh, which focuses a lot on you know, consciousness, uh, visionary solutions. Uh, we're writing a lot about right now, but the Occupy uh, Wall Street movement. And uh, that was the, the reality sandwich has really become a hub for this whole new cultural paradigm. And it's kind of out of that that Evolver Editions has emerged. Uh, I was contacted by the publishers of North Atlantic Books to see if we would like to do an uh, imprint with them. So since then, we're, we're doing about 10 books a year. And uh, we're really very, very proud of, of the titles that we have, uh, that we're launching with, uh, that include two books about this kind of uh, economic transition. Uh, one is called Sacred Economics by Charles Eisenstein. And in fact, thinking... we interviewed Charles last week. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think uh, his book is super, super, super awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we did an anthology, uh, you know, with a broad range of voices uh, addressing this topic, uh, which is called What Comes After Money? Uh, which I love as a title. I have to admit I came up with it because I don't think most people have even ever once in their lives asked themselves that. You know? uh, we also have a new book by, uh, well, it's going to turn out to be the last book, I guess, by Jose Arguelles, uh, who was famous as a visionary around the Mayan calendar and, and uh, so on. And uh, his, this, this ends up being this, this manifesto for the newest sphere, uh, ends up being kind of his summation statement of his philosophy which is basically that humanity is, is you know, in a transitional phase uh, for, you know, on the earth from, from, the, from the stage that's, that he calls the biosphere through the technosphere, which is this, this time where we've created all this industrial technology around the planet and pollution and so on, to another phase of planetary existence, which he calls following Telhard de Chardin and uh, uh, Vernatsky and other thinkers, uh, the newosphere. Uh, the idea that we're going to become kind of like a psychically uh, aligned uh, species and, and collectively experience an ego-free state. You know, it's interesting to, to think of the metaphor of the, the reality sandwich. When you think of a sandwich, you think of two slices of bread encompassing something. And, and in this case, what we're seeing in the 
in the ethers and the universal mind awakening is what you were describing on the one hand, which is the awakening of consciousness, the awakening to our supra-dimensional existence, and on the other hand, a focus on the material reality and saying, hey, something's wrong with this picture, we need to change it. So it's it's really like Atlas straddling the... Um, Dardanelles or whatever it was, uh, with one foot on each continent. Love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And maybe you know, I mean, what we're seeing is kind of like the pulling together. This is very much what I wrote about in, in the 2012 uh, book, and also we covered in, in, in the movie. Is you know, we've had this kind of spiritual or new age uh, culture, then we've had this kind of you know left wing political culture. And, um, you know, except, you know, I mean, there was, there was, I guess, like Gandhi's movement in India kind of brought that together. But in our, in our, in our society, it's been kind of separate. Like, you know, the, the, the New Age culture has been uh, a little bit de- detached from, you know, the, 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 the political and the material struggle for, you know, uh, injustice and, 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 you know, inequality to, to be overturned. Um, it's been a little bit more of a game for privileged people. Uh, and meanwhile, the, the leftists and the radicals have been kind of, uh, you know, dismissive of, uh, you know, what they can see as his non-materialist, uh, you know, kind of uh, aspects of, of reality. And I think what's what's happening now, you know, is is the kind of uh, meshing together or the merging of these two streams uh, into into a new movement for. Uh, you know, planetary liberation, uh, you know, illumination, enlightenment, and an end to uh, global uh, inequity. Actually, in one of the essays in your book, Steve Behrman talks about this kind of um, political alliance or spiritual alliance almost between uh, the libertarian conservatives and progressive liberalism. It's kind of a meeting above the fray of the values. I mean, even in the Tea Party, you see that there's this sense that something is not right and we have to come up with something else. It's just finding the the, the right something else is in the common ground, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Tea Party is, is not like a, a, a bottom-up, you know, kind of uh, popular insurrection in, in the way that what this Occupy movement is. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Tea Party is well-funded by, you know, right-wing, uh, you know, think tanks and foundations. Uh, it, it really has the, the political aim of, of maintaining the, uh, the wealth and privilege of, of the 1%. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel that what's, what's now self-organizing is uh, something, you know, quite, quite, quite different than that. Uh, but sure, I mean, basically... You know, as, as humans, we all have, you know, fundamentally the same wants and needs. Uh, you know, we want security. You know, we want to be able to take care of our, our children and, and our old people. You know, and, and, and a lot of these artificial boundaries have been have been created by by outmoded ideologies. And I think that you know part of what's happening right now is, is a very rapid uh, awakening of, of of planetary consciousness that's being uh, facilitated by the social technology. Uh, and, um, you know, I think it's probably freaking out the, uh, you know, political uh, establishment. Uh, um, so, so uh, which is a good thing. You know, change, change is always, uh, um, you know, scary to some and, and exhilarating to others. I, I 
did hear that the the Tea Party movement started out as, as a grassroots movement, but then it got co-opted by the Koch brothers and moneyed interests. But uh, let's look at money for a moment. You talk about the money game. Is there any way to avoid playing it? Um, well, I mean, the the, 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 you know, the idea that we're looking at, you know, um, people I've been working with, is that, um, you know, there needs to be a systemic transition in the uh, financial paradigm. Uh, that, that essentially, with, with the way that money is now constituted and, and, and uh, instrumentalized, uh, you, you can only have a suicide system. You know, so for instance, the fact that, uh, you know, corporations are, are forced to maximize shareholder value uh, basically, you know, leads them to, to, to do everything they can to undermine or disregard environmental restrictions. And also the fact that the, uh, you know, they don't have to pay for, uh, you know, pollution of, of the natural world or extraction from the natural world. Those are just given to them as meaningless externalities. Um, so, so, you know, in a sense, you could see that we've, we've created corporations as these kind of artificial life forms, uh, in, in these game rules that we've, that we've built based on how we've, how we've constructed or concocted our, our financial system. And as, as we're reaching the end of, uh, the, 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 you know, immature growth phase of, uh, of our, of our, of our species, uh, you know, evolution, uh, we're going to need to radically revamp the, the, the whole, uh, arrangement that we've created. You have quite a few uh, authors in the anthology who lay out a very clear picture of what's wrong with our current economic system. Do you think you could just give us the, the synopsis, the little highlights of what are the basic problems with business as usual? Well, I mean, as, as I just mentioned, you know, one problem is, is the, the, the need to maximize profit and, and the fact that the, you know, the currency is, uh, you know, the only form of, of currency we use is, first of all, you know, issued monopolistically by, by private institution, uh, you know, and, and, it's, and it's kind of, you know, controlled by the elite uh, group of uh, financiers, you know, for their own interests, uh, you know, very, very cunningly. You know, there's no real reason in, in real-world terms why, you know, somebody who manipulates uh, data you know, and, 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 and trend, you know, sells different financial instruments, that their work should be so much more valued than somebody who teaches poor kids in a public school or, or nurses the elderly in a hospice. Uh, you know, this is, just a, this is just a kind of, uh, you know, belief system that's, that's been reified through a set of social contracts, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so, so the problem is that uh, you, know, you have a financial system that, that forces people to compete against each other for scarce resources. Uh, it creates artificial scarcity. You know, and very simply, one way to look at it is like if somebody goes to a bank to get a loan, you know, they're, they, 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 they're given the money for the loan by the bank, but the bank doesn't create the interest, you know, on that loan. So then that person has to go and compete against everybody else in society to bring back the interest on the loan. So in that, in that respect, the financial system is one that guarantees, uh, you know, winners and losers. And, and over time, you know, those who, you know, own the capital become bigger and bigger winners and everybody else becomes a you know, bigger and bigger loser, uh, which is what we're now seeing. Well, it's been likened to a Ponzi scheme in that it relies on continuous growth of the economy. And when you overlay continuous growth over a planet with finite resources, you're an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and, and you know, we really didn't, um, you know, this is, all new, this is all new. Like, you know, we, 
you know, you have to just take it as an evolutionary process. I mean, that for me is, is the, the, the way to always relax about all this stuff because, you know, 100 years ago, you know, we didn't think, we, even 30 years ago, I don't think we could, we imagined that we could fish out the oceans, you know, so the oceans are now, you know, 90% missing, you know, large fish, uh, whole ecosystems are disappearing, you know, they're becoming more and more acidic. You know, we had no idea that we, that we could uh, unleash the kind of devastation that we've unleashed so quickly. You know, when plastics were created, we thought they were the most amazing thing ever. We didn't realize they were going to end up in the endocrine system of every, you know, living organism on the planet, you know. So, so, uh, so, so you know, now this coming to consciousness of, of humanity that has to take place involves, you know, reckoning with the, uh, the inertia of these systems that, that we've created and uh, shifting them away from these destructive practices by, by inculcating them more with kind of long-term wisdom and, and systems thinking. Do you think that it's the crises that people are starting to recognize that they're real, you know, like finite... Uh, uh, resources, uh, pollution, and so on, um, that have been that have pushed us to this awakening consciousness. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's also pretty complicated because, for you know, if you're like a you know, if you live in like, you know, a big you know, if you're you know relatively wealthy person living in a big city, you know, or, or having a very cosmopolitan, you know, uh, lifestyle where you travel a lot, you actually you know can kind of be oblivious to what's happening. I, I know a lot of people who, you know, don't really get it yet. I mean, one of the fascinating things about my life right now is that I, I traverse a lot of different social worlds, you know, so I can hang out with the homeless anarchists or. You know, I, I go visit the Kogi uh, Indians in in in, in uh, Colombia or the, the Sequoia uh, from from Ecuador. You know, but then I also know all these these wealthy folks and and you know p public artists like like Sting and Russell Brand and and financiers and so on. So so it's um you know I'm I'm getting a kind of uh, multi multi level appreciation of, of all the complexities that are that are going on right now. And uh, yeah, you have you have a lot of people at the top who really haven't haven't really fathomed it yet you know um don't, don't really understand that that their lifestyle of, of incredible uh you know elite privilege is 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 not necessarily uh you know something that can continue you know if, if we're going to have a healthy planetary community so what do you think has been the most important factor in the awakening consciousness the internet uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I super, yeah, I, I, okay, I, I could say the internet. I mean, um, you know, it's, 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 everything is kind of meshed together in, in some respects. As I said, it's like an evolutionary process. And, and in a way, like, you know, you go to astrology, you know, we had the Uranus Pluto transit in the 60s. Uh, I don't know if you ever looked at the, the book Cosmos and Psyche by, by Richard Tarnas, who, who looks at all these, you know, really long, long range, uh, Cycles of, of astrology, you know, as one as one one way of of, of you know uh, schematizing, you know, why why this is happening now. But sure, the the birth of the internet, and of course, that was very much connected to the psychedelic uh, revolution of the 60s. Uh, a lot of the uh, you know the the, the, the sort of uh, uh, innovators who who developed the uh, social technologies were were exploring psychedelics and, and took insights from that. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's also, you know, the plant world or the, or the, or the astral world kind of communicating through us, you know. So, you know, I, I sort of look at it as a, as a, as a non-dual process. It's not even necessarily a causal, 
uh, it's just kind of uh, unfolding. And cumulative. Do, do you think somebody who hasn't had psychedelics is at a disadvantage? Um, I think you're at a disadvantage. I think, I think, I mean, you know, obviously there are all sorts of people who have visionary experiences. I mean, I think, I think having some type of initiatory or non-ordinary state of consciousness experience is, is increasingly useful and relevant mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, what we've understood to be, to be normal is clearly not uh, holding. Uh, so, so if, if you've had experiences of, of, you know, other times, you know, other, other dimensions or whatever, it, it kind of preps you, you know, for, for a time when, when, when change is happening so quickly and everything is so bizarrely uh, uncertain. It's like a, a tremendous shock, a shock to the psyche. I know I've interviewed uh, people who have had near-death experiences and or, you know, dark night of the soul experiences. It's almost like you, you need to break open the shell for the light to come in. Uh, yeah, well, that's the whole that's the whole idea of uh, you know initiation, mm -hmm. uh, and I think one way to look at what's happening now is as a kind of a you know, planetary uh, initiation, uh, and you know that that also for me is like you know all, all of the books that we're publishing with with Evolver Editions, uh, I feel are um, you know extremely helpful uh, tools you know for people to think about uh, how this process is, is unfolding in, in different ways you know so. You know, along with the ones we mentioned, we have a book by Darren Durda called The Four Global Truths, which kind of applies, uh, you know, Buddhist, Buddhist concepts to the, the, the global crisis that's underway and mm -hmm. uh, kind of uses the model of uh, mindfulness as, as a way through it. Uh, we have a book called The Secret Tradition of the Soul, which, which explores this more kind of uh, amb ambiguous uh, or uh, uh, daimonic, not demonic, but kind of daimonic uh, reality of the soul that, that indigenous cultures talk about and Western Hermeticism uh, talked about uh, as, as a matrix for thinking about, you know, these, these other aspects of being. Uh, and then, you know, as we, as we discussed, there's, uh, there's the ones we mentioned, uh, Jose Aguelas's book. Oh, and you've got uh, The Electric Jesus. The Electric Jesus, that's actually a memoir by Jonathan Phillips, who's, who's our Evolver community director. And he describes kind of his transition from uh, kind of radical political activism uh, to energy work uh, and then sort of and then sort of synthesizing those those, those interests through uh, through his work with us with evolver mm -hmm. it's interesting that you've gone so heavily into the web you you have this social network evolver.net uh -huh. and uh, reality sandwich and yet you've uh, invested your energies pretty heavily into the printed word what do you think is the future of the printed word? Um, good question. I mean, uh, you know, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and, and she devours uh, books with tremendous glee. Uh, and um, so, so I, you know, I, I still see that there's that immersion in the book is, uh, you know, a beautiful and, and, and real thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I still feel that, yeah, I feel that books have, have a place. It's kind of an kind of engagement, you know, with, with, a, with, a, with a narrative or a line of thought that you can't really, you know, find anywhere else. And, and a really great book, you know, breaks through our, our you know, distraction culture that we have. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, I think that the, all, all the developments in social media are, are, are really fascinating. And um, uh, I, I think ultimately, you know, we're, we're moving towards, uh, you know, a different scenario. And uh, it, it really depends on whether you're, you're open to the change or, or kind of fearful and resistant of it, you know. Mm -hmm. 
We're going to have to take a little break now, and then we'll be right back with our guest, Daniel Pinchbeck. Got an extra 30 seconds? That's all it takes to unlock the power of your birthday and unleash your true potential. Visit www.birthdayco.com and find out what's hidden in your birth date. Now from the publishers of The Secret comes The Code, a simple guide to unlocking your true potential. Visit birthdayco.com to learn more. Why hide your true talents? with Daniel Pinchbeck talking about his uh, anthology, What Comes After Money. And we were just talking about his new imprint, Evolver Editions, with North Atlantic Books. Um, Tell us more about where you see social uh, media going. What role does it have to play in the uh, evolution or revolution going on now? Um, well, I mean, I mean, I guess uh, you're talking about interactive uh, media. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, uh, you know, we, we've already seen, if you look at, like, the Arab Spring uh, and also what's happening in the U.S. right now, that the, uh, you know, the, the tools that currently exist are, um, you know, allowing for, for, you know, kind of like the self-organization or the beginnings of a self-organization of a global brain. Uh, you know, what, what's confounding the, the political establishment about these, these, these movements that are emerging is that they actually are uh, leaderless movements. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's like there was a big rally in, in Times Square last Saturday. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody could even tell you who, who called originally for that rally, um, you know, or, or how that happened. Uh, it's, and that's actually very interesting when you think about, you know, consciousness itself in the brain. Like, they've done studies, you know, when we, like, pick up a, a glass and take a sip, sip of water, uh, you know, we, we, we sort of are, the, the, the impulse and, and the movement actually almost begin before our consciousness uh, seems to direct it. So in a weird way, our, our self-awareness is something that comes almost after the fact of, of, our, of our action. Uh, and I, I sort of feel we're seeing the same thing right now, that, 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 that the momentum of this, of this, self-organizing movement, which is kind of like uh, holographic uh, almost on a global scale, is, uh, is, is preceding, uh, you know, our, our conscious, um, you know, capacity to, to kind of, you know, reflect on it and, 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 you know, put a name to it and so on. So, so something is, is emerging that, you know, it's exactly what Jose Arguelles has been prophesizing and what he wrote about it in the book that we published, uh, Manifesto for the Newosphere. It's this kind of self-emergence of, 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 of a collective uh, psychic uh, organism uh, that, that's just kind of learning how to uh, move and, and, uh, and, and kind of operate. It's, 
it's kind of uh, you know social, social uh, antenna, you know. Mm. So, so that's I find very fascinating. And yeah, so so we have a, a number of tools that are already being very very powerful, uh, you know, for this. I mean, I think we'll see the iteration and the development of more tools, uh, particularly around um, collaborative decision making. Uh, you know, Facebook, for instance, is basically a, a display space. Uh, you know, what would be very interesting would be uh, a system that would allow people to to you know, think uh, uh, collectively. Uh, you know, put in their individual opinions. Have those opinions kind of kind of rated. You, you kind of need to. I mean, you can see this happening now with with these general assemblies. It's like trying to find the the balance between just a bottom up, uh, you know, everybody's included model, and and some kind of top down model where those who have more expertise, who who've gained trust over time, who have authority. Uh, and knowledge in certain areas are are, give, are given the, the the space that they need to uh, make things uh, fun, work properly. What I find fascinating in in what you were describing is the movement of people from behind their computers or their uh, iPhones into um, collect, into physical collectives where they gather. And that's one of the aspects of your book, where you talk about transforming not only the currency, but also community. Do you think yeah. uh, things like intentional communities or revisioning communities are sort of the foundation of where we go next? Uh, yeah, I, I do think so. And, and, and uh, I, I, I thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I feel that, um, you know, it's been... The process of the last centuries, you know, maybe especially, you know, especially in America, but all around the world, has been to kind of uh, make people very alienated from their home uh, environments. Uh, apparently, the average people, person in the United States can identify over a th thousand uh, corporate logos, but under ten species of, of native plants. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so, um, so, yeah, so, so. Uh, I think that, that, you know, having recognized that, that we went to the, this kind of absurd extreme of, of alienation and, and individuation and separation, that the pendulum swing would be back towards, uh, you know, relocalization and, and also decentralization, uh, you know, really creating strong uh, local economies, you know, potentially having, you know, local currencies or, or regional currencies or, or even many different, for, you know, in way, many different ways that people can exchange value. So it's no longer just one form of currency. And, and maybe also, as what Mr. Fuller suggested, uh, a kind of a universal subsidy uh, so that people don't have to struggle for basic existence. I mean, the, the, the development of our technical powers, you know, our technological capacities, you know, the, 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 the emphasis on that should have been to free people from demeaning uh, labor. Uh, and, but in actual fact, that hasn't worked out to be the case. Uh, you know, there's a, because because the system itself is kind of obstructing the the, the rational uh, development of our, of our technical capacities to uh, support human liberation. It's really it really boils down to the sense of separation and uh, individuality, the, the 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 lack of identification of the individuals at the top corporate levels with the masses, with humanity. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a systemic uh, problem where you have we 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 have a model of power uh, that's like you know power from control, you know, power over others, uh, you know, centralized and secretive power, and then so obviously the the, the challenge to that is is, is a reverse. It's uh, you know power with others in in, in decentralized or, or essentially horizontal 
structures that but that that, that are also designed to to um, uh, facilitate uh, you know expertise. Uh, to, to make sure that the right people, you know, find find the right uh, jobs, right positions. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, have any sense of what would be a solution to the monetary uh, question? How do you mediate uh, between transactions uh, between individuals? Um, because that's what money is. It's it's just a way to yeah. equalize the value of dif disparate goods yeah. and services. Well, I mean, there's a number of, of proposals out there. Many of them are discussed in, in the book, you know, What Comes After Money, and, and also Charles has a whole set of his own proposals in, in sacred economics. But the whole, you know, my understanding is the idea that, first of all, it's a transition from there only being one, uh, you know, Private, you know, privately controlled, a monopolistic currency that's used for all exchanges, but there to be more like an ecosystem of, of, of ways to exchange, exchange value that have different uh, kind of value systems and behavior patterns kind of built into them. Mm -hmm. you know, so, for instance, Bernard Leotard uh, in, in our book uh, talks about the, uh, the Terra, which would be a negative interest uh, trading currency, uh, a currency that is, is, is based on you know, our, our currency used to be based on gold, and, and now it's not really based on anything. It just kind of bounces around, you know, as an abstract value. Uh, but the idea would be to have a currency that that's, that's value was, was indexed to, you know, real-world goods, you know, food store, food foodstuffs, uh, resources, you know, that, that all depreciate uh, in value over time. So, so that currency would actually lose value the longer that you held on to it. Mm -hmm. Just as if you had like a hundred cupcakes in your in your fridge, you'd want to you'd want to get them out to people quickly before they go bad. Uh, if you had uh, you know a, a, an overstock of this currency, you you would really want to share it with your community because that that would be the most valuable thing you could do with it. Um, so 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 it would be a currency that supported uh, sharing and therefore cooperation uh, rather than hoarding and, and competition. Uh, you know, Charles proposes a currency that somehow. The value of it is, is connected to the wealth of the commons in and of itself, because mm -hmm. he notes that that what we what we base our, our money on tends to be, you know, what we prize most highly, you know. So at, so at the you know it, you know so so you know gold for instance has such a high value, uh, you know, not because there's anything you can do with gold, but simply that's what we base our money on. So if somehow you made, uh, you know, sharing, uh, sorry sorry, if you, if you made uh, protecting and conserving resources uh, and protecting the the, the commons. Uh, as, as, as values uh, that the currency uh, supported, uh, that, that, that could provide a different behavior model also. Uh, another idea from this guy, Tom Greco, who's also in our book, is just, is just to have local exchange trading systems, so groups of businesses that get together and create their own, you know, exchange system, where, where you know, monetary system, where they're, they're issuing uh, zero-interest uh, credits. Uh, that people can exchange, you know, for for the goods and services that the, that the businesses produce. Mm -hmm. I, I have to admit that I was a bit um, of two minds when I was reading Amit Goswami's essay, because on the one hand, he's talking about bringing to the forefront the value of the spiritual goods and services, the the uh, the art, the the quality of life, the the quality of community interaction, um, and these are things that we tend to disregard completely because they have no quote monetary value. 
And he was talking about when you have that kind of a return within your occupation, then you can be happier with less money. So I, I think on the one hand, that's, that's a, a very fundamental truth. On the other hand, human nature being what it is, it can be really misused. And isn't that what um, the system is doing to distract us with, you know, violent films and, and uh, mindless entertainment? Um, I got to admit, I mean, the book was done put together a year ago, so I haven't reread his essay lately, so I don't remember exactly the proposal. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that um, um, in, in a way, like, like, you know, people who contribute to, to you know, the cultural uh, commons and, and create things of, of great beauty and harmony, you know, that in itself is already a great reward, like beyond the, the monetary reward, uh, in, in a way, I think often kind of distorts uh, their, 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 them psychologically, uh, because because you know the, the the then the gift becomes twisted on itself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really think the healthier model would be a, a universal uh, subsidy. You know, where everybody knew that that they basically you know would have you know could have basic food and, and shelter, uh, but then beyond that, you know, there there would there would be you know opportunities for people to, to, you know, contribute, uh, you know, culturally, you know, scientifically, you know, socially, uh, that would, that would be validated. And I don't, I don't think that validation would have to be, you know, financial in, 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 in essence, uh, because the, the, the value you get from creating something awesome, you know, is in itself, first of all, and then also, Brings with it, you know, the, the accolades of people, you know, the, the love of people, uh, the the commonality, you know, and, and so on. Um, so yeah, so so um, if that makes any sense. Well, you're you're exchanging um, the the sort of envy of people for your possessions for the love of people, the um, approval of people for your good deeds or for your creativity yeah. there you go i mean doesn't that sound better uh, i mean i think we all know deep down that you know it doesn't it doesn't you know it it, it, it makes you happier when you when you give uh creates much more long-lasting happiness than, than when you you know hoard or, or or you know or whatever i mean um um you know i've definitely found that you know those, those times when i when i've given selflessly to somebody else you know the, 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 that those, those rewards continue to to develop you know Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, um, um, you know, we're, um, yeah, we're, we're hold that thought and we're just going to take a tiny little break and then we'll perfect. be right back with Daniel Pinchbeck. You were listening to new consciousness review. You can learn more about Miriam Knight's guests by visiting the NCR online showcase of conscious media, where you'll find thousands of spiritual and progressive titles of authors and filmmakers. And now let's get back to Miriam and her guest. And we're back with our guest, Daniel Pinchbag, discussing his book, What Comes After Money. Daniel, before the break, um, we were talking about being happy with less, essentially, or being happy with a different, um, uh, different kind of reward. It reminds me of when I lived in Israel in the early 70s, 
um, there was a, a much, much um, more Spartan economy. And social interaction used to be based on uh, a bowl of sunflower seeds and, and coffee and cake and juice and, and people just sitting around and talking and telling jokes and singing. And there was a, a feeling of joy and happiness that came out of that that really got lost over the years as we moved into a much more Western consumer-oriented, flat-screen TV-type economy. And I, I wonder, can we turn back the clock, or is uh, the, the current economic chaos forcing us to turn back the clock? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean first of all, sure, we, we, can, we, we can turn back the clock. I mean, it's part of the illusion of, uh, you know, this linear progress, this momentum that, that, that our civilization wants us to remain, like, wired into the sense that, that progress is only one way, you know, uh, and, and that is part of, you know, I would say this, this, this evolutionary, um, you know, jump in consciousness is, is to go like, well, wait a second, you know, it doesn't have to be one way at all. In fact, like, you know, we can go anywhere we want at this point, you know, like we could, we could have, uh, you know, we, we could have an elephant lane, you know, in New York City if we felt like it, you know. Uh, I mean, we, we could, we could, you know, we could really play. You know, we 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 could we could hedonically uh, re-engineer re our society, uh, and you know, go go back to, to forms of craftsmanship that that we've discarded that have actually you know made our lives less you know delightful than they could be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so 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 yeah. So so I think the first thing is recognizing there's a range of options, and we don't have to be wired into this technological. Uh, vision, you know, of like of like racing towards merging with with the machine or whatever, you know. I I I don't particularly feel that that's a healthy vision at this point uh, for for people to be having. Um, and 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 then from there, you know, yeah, we can really start to consider what would we like our communities to be like. Like, how can we, you know, make use of all the tools that we've developed uh, and 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 the knowledge that we've gained, you know, but but uh, really 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 you know make something that. Uh, satisfies uh, the human spirit on, on a much deeper level than, than our society does. Well, the picture that you describe actually is so compelling. Um, I I wonder if that is something that will catch fire in terms of the the cultural imagination. Do you think that that? Well, you like the like, you like the elephants idea? <laughs> Absolutely. Why stop at elephants? You wonder if it'll, it'll catch the imagination? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I honestly am completely convinced that, um, you know, what, what I'm seeing everywhere right now is, is this, uh, you know, rapid acceleration of, of consciousness evolution that, that mm -hmm. you know, Jose talked about, that I talked about in my work, that Peter Russell and Terence McKenna and, and other thinkers have all, have all been, you know, Barbara Marks Hubbard have all been anticipating. And uh, it's happening right now at this limit, minute as we're speaking. I mean, I can see it on, you know, Facebook. Like two months ago, you know, all the feeds on Facebook were people, you know, with their stupid pets and so on. And suddenly it's all about, you know, compassion, you know, the, the, the you know, why is there so much economic injustice, you know, what's mm -hmm. the future of this civilization? Um, you know, people are, people are um, shifting in, into a new state of awareness right now. 
what can the individual do, do you think, to, to best promote this, to push it forward? Well, I think that jo- joining different civil society and community infrastructures and, and actually participating as, as, a, as a, you know, full-hearted participant citizen is, is, is the way to go. Uh, you know, we, we've created such a, such a structure with Evolver. Uh, we have something called the Evolver Social Movement, where we have like 50 groups uh, that meet in different cities around the world. Uh, and so, you know, what we're doing is kind of bringing in, you know, these questions around, you know, the future direction of society and so on, but along with looking at, you know, shamanism, the psychedelic experience, uh, you know, extraterrestrials and all that kind of, kind of stuff, which nobody else is, is really allowing into public discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also, right now, you have this Occupy movement, and I, I would think that anybody living near, uh, you know, one of these major sites should should go and certainly check out the General Assemblies. I mean, I, I was there last night, and I, I'd stopped there a few times over the last month, but, um, you know, there's there's a huge uh, growth in, in efficiency and, and in uh, kind of, um, um, yeah, in, 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 in facility and in how, in how these uh, General Assemblies are, are developing. And they're actually seeking to do, you know, this thing that, that's been talked about, uh, you know, for centuries, which really, really is create a people's uh, democratic movement mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, puts puts ideals into into practice and actually enacts human freedom, you know, in in, in the present moment. Uh, you know, I, I personally believe that this Occupy movement is not something that's a, a trend or that's something that's going to go away when it gets cold. I think it's the, it's it's the beginning of the of this metamorphosis process. Where the uh, you know the the kind of uh, um, the the dominator virus uh, of empire uh, is now is now meeting a, an immune response on the part of the human species. I remember interviewing an author who had spent a lot of time photographing um, people in Africa who had suffered from the AIDS virus, and there were whole villages where all of the adults had died out. And there were children, you know, bigger children taking care of little children. And one of the most uh, uh, encouraging and, and inspiring things that she told me was that it did not disintegrate to a Lord of the Flies kind of scenario, but they self-organized. And there was, there was compassion and there was care and nurturing and she was so inspired by these villages. And so it, it's like um, they were going back to the essential nature that Lynn McTaggart was talking about and Greg Braden, that we are really hardwired for compassion and for community. Is that what you're feeling? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, you know, even this whole idea that the basis of human life is, is original sin or guilt is, 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 a, is a Western Christian uh, vision, uh, you know, according to Buddhism and most other cultures, you know, at the essence of, 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 of human nature, you find uh, basic goodness. Uh, so, so, so what we have is, a, is, is definitely, I think, a kind of distortion. Mm-hmm. And it's a discor- distortion imposed by the media because they only focus on the negative to sell airspace or whatever. Exactly. So um, what is this city... Um, magazine that you're involved with? I'm actually not, I haven't been involved with that for over a decade. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 
I got yeah, that was a literary magazine. And when I was in my twenties, I you know I wanted to be a novelist. And all my friends were literary writers. Then I got fascinated <laughs> by uh, shamanism uh-huh. and uh, plunged in, in another direction. You know, someday I, I hope to you know maybe return to fiction and, and poetry and, and so on. Uh, but um, it's, it's you know at the, at the moment a lot of my focus is on building the, this company, uh, Evolver. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with doing Evolver editions, we also are leading retreats to work with shamans down in uh, Brazil and Colombia and Costa Rica and uh, doing webinars. Uh, EvolverIntensives.com is uh, interactive live uh, video uh, teleconferences where we do uh, seminars on uh, ayahuasca shamanism or, or permaculture or uh, you know sacred sacred activism and, and and so on. Why do you feel shamanism is such a kind of gateway experience? Uh, well, I, I guess uh, I, I feel that uh, you know shamanism is is, is the spiritual practice of uh, you know indigenous uh, tribal people. Uh, it's a set of practices that that you know have been observed around the world universally. Um, Rashia Eliada documented it in his book, uh, you know, on, on the subject. Um, and, and I think that, you know, basically these indigenous uh, traditions have, have a great deal to teach us. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're very grounded, like that type of spirituality, you know, although you, go, you can go out into visionary states through, uh, you know, taking ayahuasca or peyote or whatever. At the same time, it's very grounded in, 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 the, in the natural uh, world and, and, in, and in the body. Uh, so it's it's uh, you know it's it's both uh, transcendent and kind of uh, imminent at the same time. For them, for them, the natural and the supernatural are, are one continuum. And I feel that in, the, in that way, it's a good counterbalance to the Western uh, ide- dualism of like spirit and matter or or, or whatever. And, and even uh, it's, it's even I find the indigenous uh, spiritual practices to, to in some ways to be uh, more more. Uh, enriching, you know, from from my perspective, than, than some of the Eastern metaphysics, which still is a kind of sky religion, and that and that there's, you know, the, you're supposed to go for this individual transcendence, uh, you know, to, to attain this inner enlightenment, uh, without without it being a kind of social uh, process. So um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, uh, the, the the tools of shamanism, you know, are, are incredible tools that are available. For all of us, and they give you a whole matrix for for understanding, you know, the spiritual processes and and and, uh, and so on. That's a fascinating perspective. I hadn't really thought of it that way. So, shamanism is bringing um, the metaphysical connection into the community uh, arena. That's one piece of it. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. So. Um, you talk about shamanism uh, on Evolver uh, in the, is it Evolver.net or the Evolver editions? Uh, Evolver.net. Permaculture. I I like what you call the local groups. You call them spores. Yeah. Uh, Who is the guy who's the, the chief fungus proponent, the fungus among us, um, without which our, world would crumble or something. Paul Stamets? Yeah, yeah, he's the one, yeah. 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 Um, so is there a lot of response? Do you have a lot of members? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can measure that in different ways, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's 
you know, we have about 140,000 visitors come to the site every month. Uh, you know, I probably have, you know, a, a few thousand people attending the monthly spores all around the world. Some, some of them have gotten very big, some of them are very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're kind of, you know, still kind of creating a template for this uh, self-organizing of the social movement. And it's evolver.net? That's, that's, the, that's the, the network, yeah. Th- that's the website, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. And uh, is there any charge to sign up? People just go and sign up? Uh, it's, t- it's totally free. I mean, we ask people if they want to voluntarily do- donate, uh, they can do it. And, and we're just now forming uh, part of what we're doing into a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Great. So if uh, you want to get involved in a community, check out evolver.net. Exactly. So, um, Daniel, where is your work taking you now? Uh, are you focusing full-time on Evolver Editions? Uh, yeah, I mean, Evolver Editions is, is, is one of my main focuses right now. I'm currently editing some of, some of the books for 2012. And uh, at the same time, I am working on my own book. I still have a book due for Penguin. Uh, and, um, you know, just keeping on developing. Uh, we're hoping to expand the company this year. Uh, I'm very interested in doing more video work. I, um, and, uh, Are you yeah, involved I, in that video about the Kogi? Uh, that video, no, I was not involved in that video. Uh-huh. No. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, um, Daniel, I, I, what, what websites uh, are other websites would you invite people to visit? Uh, well, obviously, uh, realitysandwich.com mm-hmm. is a web magazine. Right. Uh, Evolver.net is the social network. Uh, EvolverIntensives.com are the webinars, the, 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 the interactive teleseminars. Uh, EvolverEditions.com gives, this, gives the current roster of our books. Uh, and then my film is on uh, 20, uh, 2012TimeForChange.com. Uh, but it's also available streaming free on Netflix right now. Really? Great. Okay. Well, um, Daniel, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been a delight. Great. Thank you so much for having me. We've been speaking with Daniel Pinchbeck about his book, What Comes After Money, and his new publishing platform, Evolver Editions. I hope you'll join us next week on New Consciousness Review, when my guest will be Diane Collins. We'll be talking about her book, Do You Quantum Think?, If you enjoyed our show, why don't you check out our archive and our community of readers and authors at ncreview.com. We're going to conclude our show today with a track of the week from members of the Positive Music Association. Their music styles range from pop and rock to folk and jazz, but all have positive messages designed to uplift, heal, or enlighten. This week, we're featuring a song by Scott Johnson called It Starts in Your Heart, sung by Rebecca Mesplay.
It Starts in Your Heart by Scott Johnson and sung by Rebecca Mesplay. Scott is the organizer of the Positive Music Association and one of its growing group of musicians who are using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. To find out more about Scott's music, go to googlepress.com. That's G-O-O-G-O-L-P-R-E-S-S. And to discover more great music, or to join the PMA, go to PositiveMusicAssociation.com. Well, that's it. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.